Welcome to Insights with Sights, the symphony of scripture, a weekly podcast exploring the themes and contours of the weekly scripture readings. For more information about the podcast or to download the companion notes, please visit www.wickliffcollege.ca/podcast. We now join our host, the Reverend Dr. Christopher Seitz. Our lessons for the fourth Sunday of Lent are taken from Numbers 21, Psalm 107, Ephesians 2, and John chapter 3. During Lent, we continue with selections from the fourth gospel instead of Mark, and the epistle reading is chosen specifically to come alongside the familiar Old Testament and gospel link. Unlike last Sunday, we have no subtle associations amongst the lessons, but manifest and clear ones. Jesus himself makes the association. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. The great conductor of the symphony, as it were, the symphony of Scripture, himself raises the baton. I want to begin our scriptural reflections for Lent 4 with the verses that have been chosen from Psalm 107. I believe they help us understand what Jesus is doing when he reaches into the collective memory of Israel and likens himself to the serpent which Moses raised as a means of healing and salvation. Israel cultivated recollection, memory, is a key faculty in her life with God. She was commanded regularly to tell about the past and the present to future generations. See Psalm 78 or the book of Deuteronomy or the opening chapter of Joel. Just to the degree that her life with God gave her life and gave her identity, so she cherished the past. He told her who she was and who she is. It is the arena of God's life with her and defines her life. But one real surprise is the cultivation of the past which involves her weaknesses, her rebellion, her unfaithfulness. For that part of her life was precious just because it was her life with God, because God is holy, and also because it includes the memory of God's patience and forbearance and love for her. Especially in Book 4 of the Psalter, And book five, in part, we find reflections on the past, and more specifically, the past in the wilderness. Israel remembers with gratitude God's power and mercy in bringing her out of bondage and suffering through mighty acts that are recited as though still fresh in her memory, or just to be sure that they are and remain fresh. But in these psalms, 
She may also recall episodes of failure, those embarrassing moments we would prefer to forget. They are also recited as if yesterday because they remind her of God's patience through it all, manifest in her present ongoing life in him. They are part of the role of the book that is the album, the scrapbook of life with God. They are precious for being exposures of her weakness and sin, and in just those moments, the discovery that God was more than tit for tat, that he had a love whose purpose was furthering his life with Israel and teaching her through forgiveness more and more about himself. This morning in Psalm 107, we see yet a further striking reality. The Psalms that precede this one clearly rehearse the past and the scenes of God's authority in the wilderness in power and in forbearance. But reading the Psalm in its entirety for today, we see that the distant past is not in view, but a more recent rendition of it. The psalmist speaks of gathering the dispersed of Israel from north, south, east, and west, whose experience of hardship and threat on land and on sea are present examples of God's care, like unto his care in the past, but shown to be fully contemporaneous in like manner as well. One can hear the echoes between this present situation of hardship and those in the wilderness. When Jesus then speaks of the serpent Moses raised in the wilderness, he is speaking in like manner of a past that remains present and real, and of a presence at a present time in him that takes a form like unto it, and now with the final stamp of his purposes forever. So must the Son of Man be lifted up. In the recital psalms where Israel's punishment in the wilderness is recalled, the past becomes an occasion for present reciters to acknowledge the failures of previous generations and in so doing to seek forgiveness and present help from God. In the case of the serpent of Moses, the generation of Moses cried out for help and for forgiveness at that time. We're at that place in Numbers after the most serious moment of rebellion in the wilderness, the spy story which precedes. Israel is ready to enter the land, you'll recall. There was no need for a 40-year wandering. Yet they squandered it out of fear and failure to trust in the manifest power of God already made so clear to them with Pharaoh and at the sea. So only those under 20 would enter the land. And the generation who had witnessed God's acts of mercy would die in the wilderness, save Joshua and Caleb, who had brought a good report. So here in the 21st chapter of Numbers, even with this dire verdict over them, God acts in mercy to save them all the same in spite of an ongoing rebellious spirit exceeding even what was described as a tenfold rebellious acts.
on the occasion of that earlier rebellion. Bitten by snakes and dying, they cry out. They acknowledge their guilt. We sinned against the Lord and against you. And the Moses who will die in the wilderness, having bought through intercession the lives of those under 20, prays for the people here. And the Lord provides a remedy. The very means of their punishment and dying becomes the means of their salvation and life. As Paul writes in his letter to the Ephesians, we are all like the wilderness Israel. We are dead in our trespasses, in the DNA of rebellion. Even after reprieves, we followed what he calls the course of this world. In his stark language, we are children of wrath. But matching this stark verdict is the serpent of Moses set up high for us to see in the starkness of death and poison in our veins to show the power of God's love and his will for us. God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but to give us access to an entirely new, cycle-breaking Son of Man, lifted up that whoever believes in him may not just have life, but life eternal. Those over 20, those under 20, those who believe, who in believing will not perish, but are assured eternal life with him. Again, Paul puts it well in looking at the sun raised up, in believing in the power of God at work in him, we are made alive by grace, seated even with him. This is the unearned gift of God, an undeserved, unexpected serpent on a pole given in the midst of death and trespasses with poison in our veins that a person may look, believe, live, and be seated with the one lifted up and bruised that we might have eternal life with him. We see, of course, or used to see, the famous words of John 3.18, raised up on a pole like the bronze serpent at sports events. That odd-looking man with the signboard. In a funny way, one could take this as a sentimental account of the amazing grace of God in sending his Son, for God so loved the world. When in reading John further, beyond this single verse, we see that the amazing act of grace is not universally received for being so any more than the basketball game stops as all kneel down in homage. Not believing is for John a kind of self-condemnation. It is the unwillingness to accept the potion that's necessary for life. Because this would mean crying out in need and acknowledging as did Israel, that our predicament isn't just environmental, but inside of us. The laser beam of God's light 
worked with special force with those he chose and loved, the people of Israel, much to their joy, but to their punishment as well. In crying out for God's mercy, the link to God's love is made available. One looks on the only Son given in love and is saved. The deeds done in God are then those which flow from our relationship of salvation in Him. Born not of boasting, it's not our own doing, as Paul says. It's not the result of works, but a gift that enables giving in that light. And that's why John does not sentimentalize God's gift of the Son. Jesus was raised high on the cross because of the evil men prefer in their hearts, an evil that has bitten all of us. But that same cross is also the means of, the place of, the permanent pole star of our forgiveness. There is no untangling of the darkness and the light on our side. God's triumph to win us comes into and through darkness, bringing us forth into his life where deeds can now be done in him, which flow from him and his saving embrace of us. In that light, the unbearable weight of sin is transformed, conquered, and set up high to a new purpose in Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoyed Insights with Sights, the symphony of Scripture. For archived episodes and notes, please visit www.wickliffcollege.ca slash podcast. Thank you, and we hope you tune in again. This podcast is a ministry of Wycliffe College at the University of Toronto.